2013, for example, that import competition explains only one quarter of the contemporaneous aggregate decline in U.S. manufacturing employment between 1990 and 2007. Other studies have been even more sanguine. For example, a recent Ball State study attributed almost 90% of all U.S. manufacturing job losses since 2000 to productivity gains. Had we kept 2,000 levels of productivity and applied them to 2,010 levels of production, the authors write, we would have required 20.9 million manufacturing workers. Instead, we employed only 12.1 million. Thus, it is simply wrong to blame import competition for the disappearance of American manufacturing jobs or the supposed destruction of U.S. industrial capacity. Second, despite its harms to some manufacturing interests, free trade also has generated broad-based benefits for U.S. consumers, businesses, and workers. In The Payoff to America from Global Integration, economists with the Peterson Institute found that past global trade liberalization through the WTO and other efforts generated between $2,800 and $5,000 in additional income for the average American, and between $7,100 and $12,900 for the average household. The consumer gains from trade disproportionately accrue to America's poor and middle class. A 2015 study by Pablo Feigelbaum and Ahmed Kandelwal finds that these groups, because they concentrate spending in more traded sectors such as food and clothing, enjoy almost 90% of the consumer benefits of trade. These benefits are even more concentrated for Chinese imports, since poor and middle-class American consumers are more likely than their richer counterparts to shop at big-box stores such as Target and Walmart that carry a lot of made-in-China goods. American businesses, of course, also benefit. More than half of all imports, including those from China, are inputs and capital goods consumed by other American manufacturers to make globally competitive products. Raising these firms' costs via tariffs would mean fewer employees, if not outright bankruptcy, a particularly bad outcome given that downstream industries, for example steelmakers, typically employ far more workers than their upstream counterparts, for example steel users. Non-manufacturers benefit too, whether they be retailers such as The Gap, transportation and logistics companies such as FedEx, or multinational firms such as Apple, which assembles iPhones in China but generates most of their final sale price through marketing, design, engineering, and even manufacturing done in the United States. Chinese manufacturers themselves earn only a few dollars from an iPhone's assembly. U.S. exporters such as Caterpillar and Boeing also gain from trade, and many foreign markets wouldn't be open without reciprocal trade agreements such as NAFTA. According to the Business Roundtable, in 2014, U.S. free trade agreement, FTA, partners purchased 13 times more goods per capita from the United States than non-FTA countries did. Third, free trade and protectionism raise serious moral issues. Protective tariffs force American families and businesses to subsidize, through hidden regressive taxes, the small share of U.S. manufacturers and workers, and the tiny portion of the total economy and workforce, that compete directly with the imports at issue. For this reason, labor unions such as the United Steelworkers expend considerable financial and in-kind resources lobbying the federal government to insulate them from foreign competition at a huge cost to American consumers. 
when the steelworkers convinced President Obama to impose 35% tariffs on Chinese tires in 2009, the result was, even under the best assumptions, a few unionized jobs saved at a cost to U.S. consumers of $900,000 per job, precisely the type of crony capitalist boondoggle that, in any form other than that of a hidden tax targeting a foreign adversary, would engender hostile political opposition from the right. Finally, even if it were morally and economically advantageous for the United States to embrace protectionism, it's almost certainly impossible for it to do so. U.S. manufacturers have evolved over decades to become integral links in a breathtakingly complex global value chain, whereby producers across continents cooperate to produce a single product based on their respective comparative advantages that could not be severed without crippling both them and the global economy. According to the WTO, for example, almost 40% of all...